Welcome to the EMDC Podcast, where you get to know the people, places, and possibilities behind the global EMDC community. We're glad you are watching or listening. I'm your host, Tim Cowley of Expat Media Pro and Global Creatives Collective. My co-host is the founder of EMDC, Steve Ballman. EMDC is a global community of Jesus followers who have been generally meeting together at a conference venue each year. In 2020, we rolled out an online platform for ongoing training and connecting, and with that, a big growth in serving and connecting more people into our network. Through this podcast, we aim to create community and provide encouragement by talking with communication experts who use their particular expertise to more effectively share the gospel in mainly non-Christian regions. Welcome to another episode of the EMDC podcast. So in this episode, we will be discussing scripture engagement. And so we happen to have today with us three experts in scripture engagement, and they are all colleagues of Steve's. So Steve, why don't I give you the pleasure of introducing your colleagues here and telling us a little bit, um, you know, give us give us just a 10 second intro of each of them before they go into more about their backgrounds. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I think that one thing's important to say is that the, this is a session on scripture engagement that kind of ties together all of the concepts that we've done so far on this podcast. Really, all of the different elements are there together to get people in some way to engage with the scriptures, and that's what this, and that's what these these three are all consultants and experts in that field. It's interesting. How do you become a, an expert in the field of scripture engagement? And each of them have their own story, but. Um, Maybe some of us consider the dean of the movement as far as in our organization and several organizations is Wayne Dye. Dr. Wayne Dye, he's with us today, and he's been teaching for many years at Dallas International University. And and David Gray is teaching at a university. He'll tell about it in the, in the uh, UK. And Michelle Peterson, after years in Africa, is also teaching at Dallas International University and Canadian Institute of Linguistics, CANIL. So each of those three will participate with us today and give their uh, definition or, as it were, their take on, on what we mean by scripture engagement. Good. Yeah, that's a great intro. Thanks. I I have met David and I've met Wayne, uh, but we haven't spoken much because I tend to hang out with the uh, creative filmmakers and social media people. So I don't think I've been in any of your sessions. And so for me, this has been a really enjoyable time to sort of cross into different worlds, so to speak, and learn about things like uh, culturally intelligent media and uh, even orality and storytelling and understanding that actually those are training bits that I need to be a better filmmaker in in my roles. Uh, so I know that scripture engagement, yeah, it's kind of like that bow on top, isn't it? That sort of wraps up all the presence of all of these That's different right. episodes we've been doing this, uh, this last year. Uh, so... David, uh, since you showed up first on our podcast when we were doing our tech uh, check, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the role of scripture engagement. Yeah, okay. So I uh, started out working in West Asia and worked for many years actually in a translation project. So I kind of got into scripture engagement through Bible translation. Um, and so that's kind of part of my heart for scripture engagement is that, uh, you know, I'd like to see scripture engagement and Bible translation working together as a, as a whole, um, especially in, in SIL, where we have a lot of projects and people think of them as translation projects, but really they're scripture engagement projects 
that happen to include a lot of Bible translation. Um, if only people would think of them a bit more like that, uh, yeah. things would go a lot better, I think. And that reflects my background. So I became a, um, after, well, towards the end of our project, which was a whole Bible project, I became a translation consultant. And then um, Steve kind of said to me, well, it would be pretty easy just to switch and, you know, add on scripture engagement consulting, which actually wasn't the case. But um, yeah, yeah, I did eventually become a scripture engagement consultant as, as well with him at the same time as him. So uh, that was an interesting journey for both of us. Yeah. Thanks, David. Um, Wayne, go ahead and, and go next, please, for us. Well, I got into it 40 years ago, a little more than that, um, because there have been a lot of Bible translations going on. I was with SIL. I was a field translator in Papua New Guinea with a background in anthropology and been doing some consulting in that area uh, in Papua New Guinea. And they said, well, we, we would like to know, are we really being effective in the thing that's on our hearts most? That people will actually learn from the Bible. They will pay attention to it, to what it says. They'll hear it. They'll read it. They were talking more about reading in those days. And they will, uh, they will change their lives. That's really the point of the whole exercise, the whole thing. And they said, let's find out. So they asked me to go to a couple of other countries and study elementary programs. And it took actually quite a while to sort out what was really going on. And unfortunately, what I found was that there were a lot of things that some people were doing well and other people never knew to do because we weren't teaching them to do it as an organization. And so we basically, that was the beginning of scripture engagement in the world of SIL and of Wycliffe that they said, oh, here's another whole piece we have been ignoring. We need to deal with it. And since that time, um, I had to travel around a lot with, with, with my wife down teaching different field organizations of SIL. And along the way, uh, I learned the most because I was finding new countries and every new country turns out to be quite different. So the, the three countries that I knew weren't enough. And, you know, I, I was still not enough, but I learned quite a few more countries at least as to how these things work. There is so much more to learn. And the reason for that is that scripture engagement is actually a, a, a complicated thing. Um, and we'll get into that, I think, with questions later on to, to finish out. So I, I eventually was when um, Dallas International University was starting up as a separate organization. And then it became possible to teach scripture engagement for graduate credit. And they asked uh, Sally and me to come in and do that. And we basically been doing it until I recently retired uh, from that. And now uh, Tim Hatcher and Michelle Peterson are very capably handling that work for, for Dallas International now. Thank you, Wayne. And Michelle, uh, tell us about yourself. I started working with SIL about 30 years ago in the Central African Republic training literacy teachers, and they taught people in their churches how to read God's word. And then I worked in uh, West Africa on radio dramas and in each story a family has a problem and a friend or a neighbor tells them a bible story that helps them see how god's word is relevant to daily life i got interested in pouring scripture into local arts and music and um, that's what i teach at dallas international university as well as uh, scripture engagement and scripture engagement at canile 
So let's assume that somebody just got into our podcast and they have no idea all these acronyms we're using. Well, I guess really just one big acronym, SIL. Um, of course, it's something that all of us have known for so long that we forget that there's people that don't know what this is. Let's say somebody is um, a lover of Jesus, a lover of scriptures, and they're just trying to figure out, maybe there's people that don't have the scriptures in their local language. Um how would you guys describe SIL? Who wants to, if you want to take a, a crack at that, raise your finger and I will <laughs> go to you. <laughs> hey, we're all going to let the other guy do that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, let me, let me start and let's see where uh, <clears throat> the other guys want to add in on this. You know, when you talk about Bible translation, there's a few organizations in the world that are really dedicating all of their effort to, to Bible translation, right? And what we've found, and all three of these alluded to that a little bit, what we found is that over the years as, an, as a Bible translating organization, Wycliffe Bible Translators around the world, all the different Wycliffe organizations lending, secunding their people to this other organization called SIL in order to get language programs, languages developed, and Bibles translated, languages translated. <clears throat> All these organizations working together to send people to SIL. There are other Bible translating organizations, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But what SIL found as an organization is what Michelle mentioned. We needed literacy, because we thought literacy was, hey, they're just not they're just not reading it. They're not learning how to read and whatever. We thought that was the silver bullet, as it were, you know. And uh, we later we found that it's it's not just a question. Literacy is very important, but it's not a question of just being able to read. It's also having an understanding of why the Bible is important and how to engage with it and when to engage with it, in what ways, in what forms, whatever. And so that opened up, as Wayne mentioned, this Pandora's box, this never-ending field of Scripture engagement, you know. And so that's basically... And then David, what he mentioned was basically that he thought it was Bible translation and then Scripture engagement, but actually those of us in Scripture engagement, we see the the bigger... Uh, domain as scripture engagement and Bible translation is a part of that. Now, Wayne, you know, developed the eight conditions for um, scripture engagement, which is known quite well now as a very uh, important approach to that. So he would have something to say about this, as would David, Michelle. We could do a one-person one program with all three of these people right here. So we've got, I've got to stop now and let them add on whatever they want to what I was saying. But I think that as an introduction to someone, we now uh, understand, in, even in an academic way, that Scripture engagement is the thing that we're after, and Bible translation is a part of that. Go ahead. I, th I think I do want to add one thing, and that is that SIL, they recognized very, very early in the process of doing even Bible translation that when you are going into a language that may not ever have anything written down, and you're going to translate the Bible into it, nobody knows how to learn the language because nobody's ever had to teach someone else to do it. Their children grew up speaking it, and nobody else does. And so there was, you had to have a, a, a highly technical process to understand that language, to be able to develop an alphabet for it, to be able to understand the grammar well enough to translate properly, and to learn the language even. So that technical work that is involved in developing languages 
in enabling Bible translation to happen, in sponsoring Bible translation, in training Bible translators around the world, that is still, even to this day, uh, the primary field in which SIL um, is really, really has a valuable contribution. There are many translations being done that are not done by SIL, but there aren't nearly as many that are not in which an SIL member was not involved in the process of training those translators. I could add just one more thing as well, is that SIL, I guess, if you compare SIL to, say, the Bible Society, which a lot of people have heard of, SIL tends to work more in minority languages. Yes. And the Bible Society tends to cover national languages and, and larger languages. That's not always the case, but a lot of the time that's the case. So when you th we're talking about minority languages, you're, you're also talking often about marginalized people, you know, uh, the, you know, the poorest people in society who live in the remotest places who, um, you know, they don't have access to the same resources in terms of education and wealth and other things that other people in the country have. So you might fly into a country and go come out of the airport and think, well, this country looks OK to me. But then you go and see these people and they're living halfway up a mountain or in the middle of a forest or whatever, you know, and um, in, in pretty difficult conditions. So working with those people can be quite a challenge. I would like to add in a comment about the, the, the nature of scripture engagement, adding a little bit on to Steve and, you can, and fitting this uh, where it, it helps us to understand it best. Um, if, you were, if you were sick, if I were sick and I would go to my, my doctor, hmm. I just said, doctor, I'm sick. And the doctor would say, okay, well, I have a medicine for you. I can give you a heart medicine or I can give you, um, I have good medicine for arthritis. That works pretty <laughs> well. I have three or four kinds of antibiotics. I have one that helps to clear up your skin. Which one would you like? And then any of them work. And at that point, I would get up and walk out of the room. I don't want to deal with a doctor like that. I want a doctor who will first find out what's wrong and then provide the medicine. So what we've been getting in, 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 in podcasts is a lot of people who have really good medicine for solving a problem of scripture engagement in a particular place. And what the scripture engagement specialists do is they operate like a doctor and figure out what's going on there and then say, OK, it looks like this is your problem and these things might be your solution. So that process of analyzing what is going wrong and doing something about it is the core of the scripture engagement side of scripture engagement specialties. Good. Yeah. So I think we have a lot of definitions now. This is all kind of starting to, to make sense. But if you were in an elevator and you were trying to um, tell somebody what scripture engagement is, what would be your 30-second definition? And there's a lot of professors in the room here, so we should be good at this. Let's let Michelle, let's let Please, Michelle yes. do that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like the Forum of Bible Agencies International definition of scripture engagement, which is encountering God's word in life-changing ways. And so we work with communities to encounter God's word together in life-changing ways. Oh, that's good. Short and sweet. Okay, so let me see if I can repeat that. You try to help people encounter God in life-changing ways. Did I get that? Uh, we, God's word. we work with communities to encounter God and his word in life-changing ways. 
One other thing about SIL is that we often work with oral communities that have a spoken language that hasn't been written down yet, and so we work in language development to help develop written forms of language as well as recording scripture for non-readers. Guys, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And we like to put these little sponsor bits in here to try to connect you with other resources that are relevant to the topic at hand. So uh, give us one second here. We'll be right back. You're more than a student. You're a mind on fire, a life fueled by integrity, wonder, and faith, and an unstoppable force for good. We're more than a school. We're a light. With alumni in 40 countries serving in Bible translation, we're linguistic technicians, literacy specialists, language surveyors, alphabet designers, software developers, and scripture use workers. And scripture is more than words. For marginalized communities around the world, it's a way out of spiritual darkness and poverty. Today, there are over 2,000 languages without a single word of Scripture. And there's you, a messenger. Through linguistic scholarship, you'll develop practical skills that can build cross-cultural relationships and transform lives generation after generation. You'll lead a life of adventure, learning, and advocacy. And you'll connect to a world-renowned organization with over eight decades of on-the-ground experience in thousands of languages. We mentor and train students for real-life situations in classes that are sized for optimum interaction. Learn and thrive from anywhere. CanIL programs are delivered from our campuses in British Columbia and Ontario, Canada. If you're looking for a future that gives you more, look right here. Welcome back to the program. We are talking today with some experts in scripture engagement. One of the things that can be learned that we could go off on from what Michelle said, we don't need to for a long time, but we can't introduce one book, a Bible, into a people that don't read, that don't have any other books without developing their language in other ways. And so to a certain degree, SIL does language development for the purpose of, for the dignity of that language, but also for the purpose of scripture engagement, because you can't plop a Bible down in front of someone who doesn't have the the culture or habit of reading in their culture and say, hey, this is the most important thing that ever happened to you. You, you have to help them uh, give dignity to their, to their people group and their language and say, we are going to help you develop your language in an overall process. But of course, our primary reason is so that we can help them encounter God and his word in life-changing ways. But we can't do that in a vacuum anymore. We thought we could. I would imagine that people thought they could 100 years ago. Here's a Bible. It's the greatest thing ever. Uh, but we've come a long way since since then, and now we do things, a lot of things, that, d- that don't look like they're directly related to getting that person to understand and be uh, 
changed by the Bible, but they are uh, all part of the greater goal. So here we are in 2021. Um, There's a lot of different methods or ways that people are interacting with Scripture now. And I would assume for sure that this was very different, uh, you know, even just a couple decades ago, even just a few years ago. So what excites you guys about where we are in the present age in terms of technology and how Scripture is entering into the hearts and minds of people? I think exactly what you said, Tim. Uh, There are so many ways that one way or another, we usually can find a way that people really like to engage and we can have the scriptures available to them in mm-hmm. one of those ways, or several of those ways. And the new avenues for, for cell phone scriptures, the new avenues for being able to hear it on your phone as well as see it, being able to search for it, being able to watch a video, being able to, to engage with the Bible. Because the, the point of engagement is that the, what God is saying in the Bible really gets into their lives. That's what engagement means. It really sinks in for them. And they become, God transforms them somehow through that process. That's his main tool. So when that tool is now available and people are now being able to engage with it in many different ways that are more appropriate for them, that are even exciting for them, that's a huge step forward. And the technology that's been developed, the technology that we find out about in EMDC continues to excite me as I see new things being done, new avenues being tried and, you know, and sorted out, seeing which works and finding out where they work. Uh, Those are all exciting developments because each one of those has its contribution to make to more people being transformed by the Word of God. For me, uh, I think one of the most exciting areas is trauma healing because um, it's, well, it's a massive growth area in scripture engagement and I think it's it's really helping to meet people's felt needs, you know, because wherever you go around the world, people have experienced trauma of one kind or another. I mean, it's not necessarily wars, but but just, you know, um, abuse or um, alcoholism in the family or whatever it is that has caused this trauma to take place. And, uh, you know, people need to find healing from that. And they can find that. Uh, I mean, there is actually a book trauma healing booklet that helps guide people through and people go to a workshop and are helped, you know, and they're in small groups and so on. Um, And more recently, they've even combined it with orality. We haven't talked much about orality recently, but, you know, oral storing type approaches where everything's done orally. So instead of having the booklet, you just do the whole thing orally without any booklets um, and uh, people are helped through that process. Uh, and it depends on the context. If it's a Christian context, you can you can help people take their their um, their hurt to the cross. But if it's a you know a different kind of context where they're not Christians, perhaps they take it to God. You know, if they're believers in God. So it depends on their belief. Um, so we get a mixture of people coming to these trauma healing workshops. They're not necessarily Christians, uh, and they can take their their hurt to God. 
That's amazing that David started, I was starting talking at the same time as David, and I was going to give an example just this morning, just probably 30 minutes before we started this recording. I finished setting up a couple of workshops, uh, classes for EMDC online on trauma healing, David, just, 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 uh, just uh, an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, with one woman in, in Niger and another woman from Asia who will lead these classes um, coming up in December on trauma healing because that's one uh, way that we've learned that Scripture and, like David says, an overall understanding that if there's a God out there, I'm saying I need help, and of course we have the answer for that in Scripture too, but um, to apply the Scripture to some very specific uh, events and trauma that are in people's lives, and that's and and we're leaning more and more into these things. But we're finding new domains. And Michelle and Wayne can speak to that too. Of different, uh, and David also teaches uh, scripture engagement at his uh, school. So uh, just the different avenues that we have to be able to apply the scripture and trauma healing being one. So scripture engagement isn't just creating a translation of the scriptures in a local language and handing that over or putting that onto an audio format. It's actually creating programs and curriculums and teaching methods that, that just use scriptural input um, so that, that the Word of God is entering into the hearts and speaking to people in those other ways. So that could be one method is, is um, trauma healing. Uh, what are, is that right? Does it sound like yes. I'm on the right path here? Yeah. Absolutely, you're right. And there are a lot of other methods as well. As, as uh, David said, I fully agree with him. Trauma healing has been one of the most exciting because the payoff is immediate. God changes people and he transforms them. That's what we're after. And that's beautiful. And they hurt. And when they get through, they don't hurt as much. And that's beautiful. That's what God intended. So yeah, that's, a, that's an extremely exciting one. But we're also seeing things happen with addiction recovery, we're seeing things happen when they finally realize that God means to answer their prayers. They don't have to go to traditional sorcerers. They don't have to be afraid of witchcraft. Uh, that they that they have other ways of dealing, ways that are profoundly Christian, of dealing with the issues that they perceive as so important in their lives. Um, that's just a, that's just a start. There are so many things that that God deals with people's felt needs in ways that are quite amazing. And the Bible teaches that. And we need to, to find ways to, to help them to see that. And everything that we do that gets them understanding what God has to say to them and how that answers their need is, in fact, a form of scripture engagement. So we SE people are, tend to be generalists because it's such a general kind of program. So, Michelle, is there is there some kind of aha moment that you had where you can look back in your past and you can see kind of the lead up to becoming a scripture engagement specialist uh, or was it just kind of a, a series of events that led you in this direction? What were some of the aha moments that, that led you to where you are now? Well, I started working with SIL as a literacy specialist and my hope was that everyone would be under their own mango tree reading their own copy of scripture in their local language for themselves and I got to work with a lot of churches to train literacy teachers 
it was exciting, but I became concerned about the people who don't have time as adults to learn how to read or energy as adults to learn how to read. And so um, I started thinking about how scripture could be poured into local arts, working with the readers to communicate scripture in music or drama or whatever their local genres are that are going to speak powerfully to them, how important messages have been communicated for centuries. So um, researching their kinds of communication and pouring God's word into those. So um, because God's word comes to us in the form of a book, I think of those people as like electric transformers. You know, when you go to a different country and you've got some appliance that takes 110 and the local wall is giving you 220 and you need a box in the middle that converts the electricity. And so um, people who can read and then perform the word are like those electric converter boxes. And one method that I like is called appreciative inquiry. And you ask a community group of representatives what their good things are in their community scripture engagement and then uh, what their hopes are for more good things. And so they uh, list their good things and read them back and think about them. And then they list their hopes for more good things and read their list back. And then they plan together how to reach their hopes based on their strengths. And looking at their own resources from their community, they plan activities to communicate God's words. And the um, apps and technology are exciting. And yet we also need relationship. We need people to tell God's story to their neighbor, or sing God's story to their neighbor, or go and dramatize it on the local radio station. So I, I love to work with communities to um, just multiply the tellers of God's word. David, go ahead and, and tell me, what is some of your uh, aha moments from, from your career that led you to where you are now? Yeah, well, actually, um, Bible apps were quite important for me because... Um, we, we had just finished the translation and I could see it was going to be about two years bef before, I'll have to speak more slowly, it was going to be about two years before the Bible actually came out in print. Um, and I also knew that the country where we had worked, it was, pretty, it was going to be hard to get those Bibles in. So that might be another two years before the Bibles actually get shipped in. Um, and, it, you know, actually very few copies have actually got to this country. Um, but... In any case, I thought I heard that there was there's this option of making Bible apps. This was when it was like before beta version, even you know it, it was it somebody it was sitting on somebody's computer and he handed me a USB stick and said, "Here, I've got this this program. You can make Bible apps with it." So I plugged it into my computer and installed it, and I made a Bible app and we got it working and put it out there. It was an Android Bible app. And it has been really popular. I've made other Bible apps as well since then. Some of them have been even more popular. But um, yeah, it's just the fact that you can get it out there so quickly. And the, one of the really good things about it was I could get feedback from this Bible app. So, you know, the my email address was in there somewhere in the about section. Um, and I remember one guy who actually ended up speaking at EMDC years later, but he wrote to me and said such and such a verse in John 1 are you really going to translate it like that? Because then we don't have any proof that Jesus is the son of God. Well, we do. We have lots. But this is like the main verse I like to use. And you've d translated it wrong, you know. So please, could you fix that? 
because there are two possible ways of translating it, you know. <laughs> so I talked to our consultant and, uh, and she said, yes, okay, that would be fine. Either option is possible. So we switched it to his favorite option before, you know, which was an immediate change in the Bible app and before it went to print uh, as a Bible. So that kind of got me into um, scripture engagement in quite a big way. Um, and to see, you know, several thousand people using using the Bible, uh, using an app. And then, of course, eventually we got the audio on there. You know, it took, took a, a bit longer before the audio was recorded. But um, eventually, with the help of Faith Comes By Hearing, so keyword there, partnership, in partnership with Faith Comes By Hearing, we managed to get the whole Bible uh, recorded into audio. That also was a battle because they kind of said to us, well, we do New Testaments. And we said, well, we've got a whole Bible here and they really need the Old Testament because they had an old New Testament uh, previously that, that had audio and everything. So we'd like to do Old Testament first. And um, they didn't believe me. So I, I got a local friend involved who's like one of the main local partners doing scripture engagement there. And they wrote and said, we really need the Old Testament. And then they believed us and we, we managed to make progress. So that was really good. So, uh, yeah. Don't miss our follow-up conversation in our next episode as Dr. Wayne Dye starts us off by sharing about his own experiences that brought him into scripture engagement. We'll also learn about training opportunities from one-hour online sessions to certificates and Master of Arts programs. And podcast co-host Steve shares some history about how EMDC was birthed through a desire to bring together practitioners in scripture engagement. Thanks for tuning in to the EMDC podcast. Feel free to share it in public forums with those you think will find interest in our topics. If you have any comments, do reach out by emailing podcast at emdc.live. Head over to emdc.info to learn about our upcoming online trainings, read our blog, find resources, or learn about our physical conferences. Original theme music is created by our very own Schwartz Gray Band.